Welcome to the Day Before Leadership Podcast. I pray it encourages you to move from surviving to thriving in your leadership. If you enjoy it, make sure you subscribe and share it. Here's today's interview. Pastor Perry Noble, how are you? Man, Pastor David, I'm I'm doing so good. I'm I'm better. I always tell people better than I deserve, and I know that's a Dave Ramsey line, but I kind of ripped that off from him because it's <laughs> it's true in my life. I mean, it's so true. Hey, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time out your busy schedule just to be with us. We have people watching on YouTube, people listening on Apple and Spotify podcast, and we just want to say we love you and we honor you so much. We have a few questions for you today. Um, and so you have an incredible story of, you know, running a marathon, I believe, over 14 years ago and failing at that. You just completed yep. your first marathon this past June. What did you learn about yourself in that process? And what can you speak to, to people about never giving up? You know, I so the first marathon I tried was in 2006. And I, I thought I knew what I needed to do. And physically, I was ready for the marathon. But I didn't hydrate properly. And um, it I, I kind of wish... Um, I could have read an article about it rather than passing out in the middle of the street and getting taken to the hospital in the ambulance. But it was that thing that in the back of my mind, Pastor David, I was like, man, it got me. And it, like, I can't let it, I can't let it get me. And so when, when COVID hit and everybody was like forced inside, I was like, I want to use this time to prepare myself for something, you know, spiritually. Uh, physically or whatever, and there's a there's an organization in the town that I live in called the Lot Project, and they do some work with people. Pastor David, these people just don't go. They're not going to church. They're just not going to go to church. And so, but this this ministry does an incredible job. So I wanted to raise money and awareness for them, uh, and so we put together a route, and um, man, I completed it. And I think the thing I learned was, you know. Even when you think you can't take another step, take another step. Because at mile 18, I'll be honest with you, sir, I wanted to I wanted to throw in the towel. I was like, this is dumb. But I had a guy that started running with me at mile 13, and uh, he, man, I, t- I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it if he wouldn't have ran with me. That's the second thing I learned is the power of community. You know, the Bible says, how can one man put a thousand to flight or two put 10,000 to flight unless the Lord was with them? And you do the math on that. One puts a thousand to flight, but two put 10,000 to flight. That's because I would think if one could put a thousand to flight, then two could put 2,000 to flight. But our power multiplies exponentially when we get inside the context of community. And so those were just two of the lessons that I learned um, from that experience. Oh, my goodness. That's just beyond goal. We can end the interview right there, sir. Thank you so much. (laughs) Speaking of COVID, what are three things you learned about yourself and about other people during COVID? I learned that people are crazy. Um, This has been the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, But I, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is that in times like these, people need leadership. And, you know, as leaders, 
We don't know what we're doing. Like, none of us have ever led through a global pandemic. None of us were around when the Spanish flu hit in the 1918 or 17 or whenever. And so we're just, we're just figuring it out, getting as much data as possible and making the best decisions we can to move forward. But in times like these, that's why God put us in the place that we're in. He, he, he put us in this position because here's the thing that hit me the other day. God knew this was coming. So if you're in a leadership position, God put you there. And he's not running around in heaven freaking out right now. Like, he knows what to do. And he put He put us in the leadership positions because he knows what we're supposed to do. And so at the end of the day, you know, sometimes leadership is just staying a st- one step ahead of your people. And so I feel like making, you know, making wise decisions. And then um, the, the second thing that I've learned, and, man, this has been the huge thing for me, is our people need hope now more than ever before. They just need somebody speaking hope and life into them. Because if you sit around and watch the news all day, you would never leave your house. And and so the more we can communicate hope from the pulpits and the podcast and whatever we do, man, I think, I think, and then the third thing, man, I could go on all day on this. The third thing is like how necessary the church is. Like people need church. Like we took it for advantage. We took it. We, we took advantage of it. But now we we need it. Like we need it now. And uh, it's it's kind of like I knew the church was important, but now I know it's really important. Amen. Amen. That's so good. That's so good. You're a worldwide leader. Experienced some highs and some lows. Man, you have so much wisdom. It's one of the best interviews to date. I mean, this is just so good one of the world's greatest thinkers share with us your top three leadership one-liners that you have that you've learned over the years just three one-sentence one-liners that you know that you've said to yourself or you said to your staff or you said to your daughter or you said to other pastors and what what those one-liners mean to you um man there's so many that um there's so many that come to mind i'm I remember, I think one of the things that stuck with me, I was at an event um, in my in Miami, and whenever I go to an event, um, I try my best to, to hear as many speakers as possible because, um, man, I want to soak it up and learn. And the guy who spoke in front of me, I can't remember his name, um, but he used a Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou quote, and it said, um, people don't, remember what you told them but they will remember how you made them feel and man that stuck with me especially when i'm reading through the gospels right now the new living translation and the new living translation instead of gospel where it says in the niv gospel in the new living translation it says good news and i'm like man that if if, you know people don't remember what we tell them but they remember how they we made them feel and so as a church leader, you know, I, I've had people go, oh, my God, you, you're just one of those feel-good churches. And I'm like, are we supposed to be a feel-bad church? <laughs> like, like, what the heck is that? Like, I can I can make people feel guilty, um, but if it's good news, people should leave with some hope in their life, you know? Yeah. So that's one of the one-liners. Um, 
another another one-liner, and this is kind of personal for me, um, but I got it written in a couple places. I, is the, it's just two words, too soon. And uh, whenever, when I had, um, I call it my train wreck back in 2016, and I was trying to rebuild my life and trying to do a couple things, I had a bunch of people that, that didn't even really know me uh, reach out and tell me, hey, man, it's too soon for you to start back. And I and I asked them all, I'm like, well, do you have a, a timetable? Do you have a Bible verse that you can tell me? Because Peter was putting time out for basically, you know, three days, and then Jesus restores him, and he gets to preach on the day of Pentecost. Um, the prodigal son came home, and they threw a party. They didn't put him in the, in the barn to see if he was going to be okay. And so for me, that's just kind of a motivator um, where where man says sometimes too soon, but God said, I called you before you were born. Wow. So that's, I got to lean into what God says rather than what, what, what man says. And not that what man says isn't important, but when people, that's the third one is you can't let people who know you the least define you the most. Wow. And with social media, being and and I'm very pro social media. I'm not the anti-social media guy. I love it. I think it's a tool. I think it's a resource. Um, but you can you can let somebody hijack your mind, um, and and they don't know you. They don't. They don't. They've never met you. They've never had a conversation with you. But they're going to make a judgment call on you based on something that you posted, and a lot of people give those people power over them by letting them bother them or whatever. And I'm like, nah, if Brene Brown said this one time that she has a one inch by one inch piece of paper and everybody whose name matters or whose opinion matters, their name is on that one inch, one inch piece of paper. And if somebody calls her out or somebody says something to her, she said she has literally pulled out that piece of paper and looked at it. And if their name's not on that paper, she she said, I, I ain't got time to listen. Yeah. So good. Those are so good. Those are life-changing. Man, thank you so much. Uh, a few years ago, um, February 4th, I believe, Pastor Stephen Furtick and Holly Furtick prayed over you. And you spoke a powerful word, message that dead ele- elevation. I, I watched that message about probably 100 times now. Uh, <laughs> what, what did that mean to you? I know you've posted that on your Instagram as well, that picture of that of them doing that prayer over you. And also share with everyone how y'all met. I thought that was such an amazing story, how it came almost full circle. Yeah, it really is um, phenomenal. There's, there's not too many people on the planet that I love more than Pastor Stephen and Holly. They, they are just amazing, amazing people. You know, when I preached on that, on that day, that February, it was such a emotional experience for me because I never thought I'd ever preach again. You know, I thought I was done. And the fact that he opened up his, 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 the door to his home and the door to his church and invited me back in was um, overwhelming in a, in a phenomenal way. And so for me, um, when he introduced me, I got emotional every time. But then when him, when Pastor Steve and Pastor Holly prayed over me, 
at the end of that, it was the last service. Um, that's the only service they did it in. And it was kind of like, I was shocked and I was surprised in that moment. But it was, for me, it was that moment where, where it was kind of like the Lord saying, no, this is real. This is where you belong. And um, so I never, ever will, I, I never ever will forget them coming out because they didn't have to do that. No, they didn't have to be there that weekend. They could have just been like, go out there and preach, but they were there supporting me at every at, at every service. And so, like, what you, with them, what you see is what you get. I mean, they're the real deal. And then how we met, we had, I had a, I had met Stephen one time. So this is funny. Back in the 90s, um, I said yes to every speaking engagement. You remember when you first started speaking, you just said yes to everything. There'd be two people there, and you, you would preach until one of them got saved. And so I went to an event at a college in the upstate called North Greenville, and uh, Pastor Stephen was the, was the worship leader for the gospel choir. And I had never seen somebody with that much energy. Le- I, I called him the white Kurt Frank- Franklin, because that's what he, that's what he, that's who he, le- I mean, he was, I was like, this kid has something on him. Um, and so a mutual friend of ours said at one time, he said, he said, this Pastor Stephen guy wants to meet with you about starting a church. I said, yeah, I'm, I'll meet with him because I remembered him. And we met and talked, and the way he tells the story is not really the way it happened. He said that I gave him all this wisdom and stuff. He knew exactly what God had called him to do. Man, I, I was sitting there taking notes from him. Now, I did buy the meal. That's, that, that, that is true. But, um, you know, we, <laughs> we, I, I always try to make myself available to him. And uh, now it's kind of like um, he, he is the one that makes himself available to me. And I don't, I don't mind the role reversal at all because that man is gifted. He is anointed. And, uh, and so I've got nothing but admiration and love and support for somebody that, you know, stood with me. Here's the thing about it. He stood with me publicly and privately. I had a bunch of people that would text me or call me and tell me, I love you, but they, they wouldn't go public with it. But he stood with me and and didn't care what other people thought. And that to me is like, that's, that's true friendship right there. That's so awesome. It's incredible. Uh, we just have a few more minutes with you. And so here's a second to last question. With all that's happened with social injustice and racism, can you speak a word of healing to our nation, people who are watching on YouTube, people who are listening? on this podcast, what word of hope would you speak to us and how would you speak about unity in our nation and what our nation really needs? I think our nation needs conversation. And so when, when the George Floyd thing happened, um, you know, I'm, I'm white and I didn't, I used to not believe that there was something called white privilege. I used to think that was a, a cop-out, an excuse. And uh, But when the George Floyd thing happened, I was like, you know what, I need to lean into this. And so I have, I have some friends that are in the ministry um, and, and they're African-American. So I, I called one of my friends, Josh, and I said, Josh, I said, we need to, 
we need to go to lunch, man. And and I just I just said I'm not here to do anything except ask you questions, and I need you to be honest with me because I'm trying to learn about how, like like the tension from from your point of view because I know how I see it, but like how do you see it? Because I want to learn how you see it so I can step into that. So for me, it's been I think I think for me, he said for him that he's had very few white men ever ask him what his opinion was and then not try to argue with him or contradict him or whatever. And I said, I, I don't, I can't, I can't argue with you about your opinion, sir. Like I, I, I've got to sit and listen. I'm the student. You teach me. And, uh, he, and that's the other thing. He, he's not my project and I'm not his project. We're friends. Like we call, like I was on the phone with him 20 minutes before I hopped on this podcast and we were talking about some things. Um, so I think the biggest thing I've walked away from is instead of going out and just spouting your opinion, have a conversation behind closed doors with somebody that you can respect and, you know, form a friendship with. Um, because it, it's a serious situation. And I would say this, from, from just from my vantage point, is like the the racial tension is better than it was when I was a little boy, um, but you you can't say well it's better than it was because we still have a long way to go. We obviously still have a long way to go. Um, so the biggest thing that I've learned in this whole thing is sit down with a person of color and have a conversation and ask questions and, and don't argue, don't argue, just just listen. Because it's amazing how God will shape our heart through conversations. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that word of hope. Here's the last question. Four years ago this month, on July 11th, you were removed as the pastor of New Spring Church. Here you are four years later, pastor of Second Chance Church. I was hoping that you could speak a word to those who feel maybe stuck in that current situation. Maybe somebody listening feels worthless or somebody watching feels hopeless. I was hoping that you can speak a word of life to them even now. You know, the the phrase, um, if you're not dead, God's not done, that's, that's something I used to say, and I believed it for other people, but going through what I went through, it was kind of like the Lord was saying, are you going to believe it for you? And so right now, I'm having more fun in ministry than I've ever had because I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not fighting for the acceptance of the Christian majority. I'm not fighting for the acceptance of other pastors. I'm not fighting for the acceptance of more likes or more followers or whatever. I'm completely comfortable. I'm not even, I'm not even fighting to be, and I put this in air quotes, as successful as I once was. I just, man, I just want to, I want to show up to church on Sundays and the people that show up, man, I want to give them my best. And, you know, when I drive home on Sundays now, there's there's peace in my heart, knowing that I'm doing what I was called to do. And uh, and the platform might be smaller, um, but I can honestly say that does not bother me whatsoever. I just, I'm enjoying ministry again. And so for the person out there that seems stuck, 
um, if we're going to teach other people that Jesus called us to live an abundant life, the best way we can teach our people that is to model that. And we can't model that if we're miserable doing ministry. And so we got to figure out what's making us miserable and then do some do a deep dive on that, like get some help. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's never going to get easier. Um, but it, just because it's not going to get easier doesn't mean that we can't get better. Amen. Amen. Would you would you mind praying for those who are listening or watching right now to just um, not only hear that but know that and and walk in that? Absolutely. I'd be I'd be honored to, Father. Thank you so much for um, Pastor Dave for his heart for this interview, and I just pray over anyone listening right now who feels like they're at the end of their rope. They feel like they can't. They don't know how they're going to make it through tomorrow. They they feel like they've dropped the ball and messed up. That you are the God of second chances. And Father, I pray that the person listening right now would feel encouraged and hopeful. And just know in your word that you said, even though a righteous person falls seven times, they'll stand back up. God, that you would give each man and each woman the courage to stand back up knowing that we're not dead that means you're not done that's not something we just tell other people that's something we believe for ourselves we love you jesus we ask this in your name amen amen thank you so much for joining us today pastor perry noble thank you pastor david for having me on i'm super excited and uh you keep up the good work and and just just keep focused forward